awesome stuff. Wow. This is so... <laughs> there's so many emotions going through me right now. Uh, Pastor Tafara, thank you. Pastor Chipo, thank you very much. Um, thank you for the invite. Thank you for your elders. Thank you for the hospitality and the love that is in this church. Um, wow, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's difficult to, to, to say everything. While we're worshiping, I just want to say to you that I, I wished and I prayed and I said, God, this morning I wish I could take Faith Hill Church in Johannesburg and Kingdom Light Church in Cape Town and bring the two of them together in one service and the two bands and the two pastors and all these dynamic people and just throw them into one big pot. I think the explosion would be absolutely Undescribable. In that moment, I got so emotional. I just said, "Oh God, we got to do it sometime. We got to do it. We have to get. We'll have to get our own Boeing and just bring the two <laughs> with the two guys together." But yeah, um, it was really great. Uh, wow. What do I want to say? There's so many things. I want to import your lovely wife and just come and let her minister to um, our ladies. You know, she's awesome, isn't she? In fact, I want to say something. I was sitting in the men's morning in the breakfast afterwards, and I was overcome by an emotion um, of appreciation for your pastor. Um, I think you need to give him a wonderful round of applause because he's doing an awesome job. And why I say that and the motivation I say that, I stood up somewhere and I said to my people, I said, he, he shook my motives and we need to check our motives constantly we need in life to check our motive are we doing what we're doing for the right motive and he said i do not build my church on the numbers of people that come on a sunday or that we have on our you know on our books i do not build my church by the money that we bring, in other words, I do not judge or see my performance levels by the income and the outcome of people or the building or the stature, but on the transformation of the people who are the church. Amen? I think you can give a louder amen than that. Because so many churches are built on how many people? Oh, we have a thousand people in two services, you know, and that's the claim to fame. Oh, we, we have an income of 50 grand a month, you know. When the true measure of what it's all about is about who you are. Yeah. And are you growing? Yeah. And, and that gives him a massive mark of distinction because he understands that as a young man. And so I was impressed by that. I don't know if you're impressed by that, but I was impressed by that. Because then I'm sitting in the men's meeting and I became aware of the amount of, of dynamic, a dynamic of dynamicism that was sitting in that breakfast. And I'm going, my God, if I had half of the amount of men that are sitting here right now in my church, what could I not do? Yeah. And it was like, I'm looking at this and going, woo! I wanted to actually give a woo! You know, because it was like, and um, yeah, so I, I really um, am in awe 
to God for a direction and a life-changing moment when my son, who is actually the presiding pastor, I gave the reins to him. He's almost 40 now. Um, I've been married for 39 years. Been married for 39 years. My son is 39. And he's almost turning 40. I'm in my, this year will be my 40th year and he will be 40. You know, sort of, okay. So, he has taken over the reins of that church. And it's been a massive thing for me. But this is how it happened. He was sitting on a plane coming back from Joburg, going to Cape Town. He was sitting next to a man. I don't even know who the guy was. And the guy said to him, what do you do? And he said, I'm a pastor. And he said to him, oh, you need to meet my pastor. And he opened up the phone and showed a clip of this man. And Sean went home and started watching him. And then Sean got hold of him and said, we need to connect. What we didn't know is he'd been watching us. <laughs> you know, the thing is, you never know who's watching you. And so he'd been watching us, and, and when the two of them got together, he walks up onto our platform and says, you know, I've been watching you. And I'm going, what? Me? And then he goes and says, but you're my mentor, you're my pastor. And there's a dynamic that suddenly changed. In both of our churches, something has happened by this recognition and this partnership. I still don't even know what God's doing, but I trust Him. And I know that it's something divine from God. So, positive Farah and positive oh, honor you guys. And really thank you for your hospitality and your goodness. I want to do something right at the beginning. In the first service I said, my mentor, my guide... My, my, my head of my church is God. Somebody asked me, said, who is your covering? And I said, Christ. Christ is the head of the church, and He's my covering. He's my strong man, and He's the one I want to give recognition to. If I have a man, He can be tripped up. If I have a man as my father, as my head, he can be bound, he can be tripped up, he can be caught into things. And whatever he gets caught up in will then disseminate down the pyramid into the lowest levels. And everybody is fallible. I'm fallible. You're fallible. But God is infallible. So if I make him my strong man, who will bind him? If I make him my strong man, where will I fail? I might fail, but he will cover me because he is my picking up and he is my standing up and my sitting down. So I honor him first, but I want you to stand. All of you, I want you to stand. And I, 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 I understand that the principle, I actually believe in the principle of honor. And I, I, I accept it. But if you expect me to accept your honor this morning, your applause and your welcome Pastor Dave, welcome Bishop Dave, you know, then there is a reciprocal that needs to take place this morning. And the Christ in me must honor the Christ in you. So I want to honor you this morning as God's temples. I want to honor you this morning as God's dwelling place. I want you to put your arms around yourself for a moment and I want you to receive that honor. I want you to receive the fact that God the Father 
and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit have one goal in mind, and that is to bring you to maturity, to the full stature of the full man, Christ Jesus. And as you expect men of God to receive your honor, I want you to receive the honor of God this morning as men and women of God and say, I am. Say, I am what He says I am. And I can do what He says I can do. And I'm going to be everything He says I'm going to be in Christ Jesus. And we said, Amen. Give God a praise offering for that. You may be seated. Amen. Thank you very much. Uh, just, I want to... Uh, thank Pastor Chipper for that wonderful, I, I'd forgotten the wheelbarrow story and when she started telling it, I remembered way back somebody actually told that story in my life and what a story, what an awesome thing, you know, we trust, you know, but do we trust enough? There's a story that's very similar, a guy fell off a cliff and then he was hanging on a rope, he was hanging on a, on a branch that was giving way and a voice said to him, let go, I'll catch you. He'd been praying. He could feel his strength was going. Henry, his strength. And it was, it was a good gymming guy. And he could feel his strength. Jesus, help me. And the voice came and said, let go. I'll catch you. And he said, is there any other voice? <laughs> yeah. Can't see you. Can't see you. Can't see you. Paul, on, on the note of finances, Paul, and, and I, I don't know why I'm saying this, but while she was speaking, I remember a scripture where Paul says, Paul says, I've received your offering, a sweet-smelling savor unto God. So the offering that the people brought to Paul, he said, and recognize it as sweet-smelling savor unto God. He said, once again, you have had the opportunity where you lack the opportunity to give into my ministry. And it's a sweet-smelling savor because what we've got to realize that when we give, we're actually giving into ministry. We're giving into, into what God is doing in the kingdom. We are the extension of God's hands. But motive is very important from a pastor's point of view. Especially the pastor or the church that's taking your money. That's why I've got so much confidence in these people. He said, he said this. He said, for my desire is not that there would be fruit on my account. I'm looking at my bank balance. The church is taking really good care of me. Hallelujah. No, no, no. That wasn't his motivation. His motivation and his understanding was that the fruit will appear on your account. So every teaching on finances, every word that we speak must be motivated that the people will understand God is my source. God is my provision. You didn't go to the really good one. You, you got down, but you didn't go to the juice. It gets down to the bottom there. It says, honor, the God, honor God with your substance. Hey, I'm honoring you, Lord. Your bonds will be full. Hey. Restrictions of the hands. Come on. Pick up your hands. Receive something this morning. I desire 
No, no, I desire that you this morning will receive right now that you will receive the fullness of your bonds. That you will receive overflow because of what you have meant to this ministry and what you have meant to the finances of the kingdom. I desire this morning that you would receive fruit to your account in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, okay, quickly, this morning, <laughs> I've never done two services like this, and it's like, whew, it's challenging. I, I, I do a service in the morning before my son joined me, and then I would go from Strand in the morning to Durbanville in the evening, and then I would do the same service, and I would try and repeat everything, just like she did so well with the offering now, two offerings. Same. But I never did, like, early morning zip, and then that's the fast one for the early birds, and it's like, it's got a time, it's got a time constraint, because we're going into the second one, because of space. Aren't you so pleased that this is the type of challenge a church wants? That they get a telephone call, the pastor in the week said, Pastor, I was doing car duty in the ch for the church on Sunday morning, and we had to turn people away. So now the pastor is challenged, because how does he work this? Okay, so we're going to two services. I said, how do you get to two services? We stumble into it. Don't you like stumbling growth? You guys mustn't get quiet on me now. I see some people looking at me. Okay, all right. So, so you, you're stumbling into growth. You guys are going forward, and I'm excited about it, okay? So this morning service, we started off, and we were talking about it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. Romans 2, verse 4, he says it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. Okay, repentance, repent like your penthouse upstairs, reminded re metanoia to change your mind. So your, the, the thing that's going to change your mind, the thing that's going to turn you 180 degrees, is if you can get a clear vision and keep that vision of the goodness of God. Alright? So I said, that I, okay, I wanted to start somewhere else, but it's okay. We're going to go there. All right. So it's the goodness of God. So we, your pastor came, and he came to us, and for four services, he rattled our cages with Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Okay? He just kept on going and kept on going. Be not transformed. Be not, be not conformed. In other words, do not be constricted or limited into a mold according to this world's design, all right? But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, all right? So there's a mind renewal that must take place in us to bring about transformation. And so when the cares of this world and the worries of this world would look and look to constrict and constrain us, Hebrews 12 says, looking away from all that would distract unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. So there's a looking away. What do we see when we go to the cross? We see God's goodness. We see His mercy. We see the intent of God to bring you to that place. So then I went to Moses on the mountain in um, Exodus 34. Moses has got to lead this people out of out of Egypt, out of bondage. He's got to take them somewhere. And he's at this place of desire. You know, whenever you're in a very difficult place, you start asking the hard questions, but they're the good questions. And I think Moses got to the place and said, I cannot do this by myself. I cannot go this route on my own. I need your presence, Lord. And so he said, Lord, show me your, show me your face. He said, show me your presence. Show me your glory. Okay? 
And then in Exodus 34, he goes up onto the mountain. God said, you cannot see where I've come from. You cannot see my pre-Genesis existence because you'll die. Not my presence you can't have. You can't see where I've come from. So he takes him up onto the rock, puts him in the cleft of the rock, a type of Jesus. He said, but you can see my hinder parts or my back parts. You can see where I'm going to. So God was on his way to the cross. God was on his way to Jesus and the salvation of the world, of the restoration of man. He was on his way there. And he said, but when I pass by, I will declare my name unto you. And then the Bible says in Exodus 34, he said, when he passed by, God, the Lord, declared himself good and gracious. But the thing that Moses asked for was glory. God said, when you want to see glory, you'll find it in my goodness. Okay? Did you get that? Goodness equals glory. Goodness equals glory. Okay? There's a couple of words that you need to learn in church. And the mentor to how you say it is T.D. Jakes. Okay? When T.D. Jakes says you will receive power, he doesn't say you will receive power. T.D. Jakes got that voice, you know. He got that explosive capacity, you know. Veracity, capacity. He gets up there and says, you will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. <laughs> Moses asked for glory. That's the other word. You need glory. <laughs> so what you have to do is, you have to look at His goodness, and when you see His goodness, you will see His glory. Okay? So God passes by, Moses sees this glory. Alright? And you're getting now a very condensed version, obviously, of this morning to go on. Okay? After that, we went to 2 Corinthians 3, which is a total comparison between Moses' mountain experience and your spiritual experience. Right? Because he com completely mixes the two. He says, when the law and the letter kills, the Spirit gives life. If you go through the entirety of 2 Corinthians 3, you will see this comparison. Then he says, Moses had a veil over his face so as to hide from the children of God that the glory of the law was fading. Because he only had a limited goodness, obviously. Right? But he said, we don't have that hindrance. We don't have that, that fact that we're not that free or that we are unashamed. Because our glory is not fading. Because once we get the Spirit to show us, and this was, maybe we need to do this. This, let's, let's read 2 Corinthians 3 as, a, as, as the, then we can go on. Because I'm, I'm excited about what God's about to do. So I'm just doing the revision part quickly so that everybody's up to date. 2 Corinthians 3. Oh man, there's a dynamic in this church that, drives me crazy. I'm like, I'm like a horse waiting for the gate to open so I can run. And I'm already running. So it's like... Alright. So 2 Corinthians 3. So everybody say, my homework, my homework is to read Exodus 33, Exodus 34, and then compare it to 2 Corinthians 3. Alright? And you're gonna, this is what you're going to get. You're going to get this at the end. It says... Um, Hmm, where will we start? Verse 13. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not, Israel could not steadfastly look at the end of that which is to be abolished. 
But their minds were blinded. For until this day, say until this day, remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, say the law, which veil is done away with in Christ. Ooh, you're you're stuck there. Are you still with me? Okay. But even unto this day when Moses is read, there is a veil upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it, the heart, shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we, with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image, from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. And this is what we said. We said that the Word is the law of liberty. Once you have become a child of God, from Genesis to Revelations, you read it through the cross, and the glasses become one of liberty. Not condemnation, but freedom. Not death, but life. Not by hindrance, but setting you free. And so when I look at this word, and I want to see what God has in mind for me, by the glasses of goodness, I behold His glory. By the Spirit showing me and convincing me of His goodness, I go on from leaving the hindered, depleted, fading glory of the law to an unfading, ever-increasing beauty of holiness of the Spirit. And so, by looking at that, in the goodness, there is a renewing of my mind, and it's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. Did you get that? So if you got that, that was like verse (laughs) 1 this morning. Okay, so continuing now in this service, welcome to the 1015 service. Um, We had a song when we we had the youth, and I just want to take this opportunity to welcome Carl and Maralise. They come from way, way back in my Whitbank days in Pumalanga. And um, it's such an honor to have you guys here. You don't know that you are actually obedient to God. Because by you coming, you actually sort of put like a, a tick that I didn't know had to be ticked. And you didn't know it had to be ticked. But there was a block that had to be ticked by you coming. I went, wow, God, these people from way back there sought me out and came this morning all this way to be in this service. And so I honor you guys and thank you for being here. Bless you. Amen. Um, so there was a song, and she used to be in the youth those many years ago. There was a song that the youth sang, said, Romans 16, 19 says, Be excellent, dang, 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 in what is good. Be innocent of evil. Oh, be excellent, uh-uh, in what is good. Oh, be innocent of evil. Uh-uh. Think about it. Think about it. We spend hours looking at what the devil's doing. And you only produce what you look at. Hello. You're looking at all the demons. They are here. The demons. They are there. Do you know that the devil is sitting on the corner of Liberty Avenue and... 31st Street, and he's crying this morning. And if you could find him and say, Hey, why are you crying? 
And he said, I'm so depressed. And I said, why? He said, I get the blame for everything. Because truly it's the devil this and the devil that when it shouldn't be the devil at all. It should be my decision. My decision put me here. My decision. I have a mind. Oh man, I love this. This man is preaching in our church and he said, I had a problem with my, I had a problem with the finances in my church and there was things going and I was asking God what was going on and God said, you're the problem. And I went, ooh, ouch, that, that's really up front and central right now. For me, you're, like, you're the problem. He said, but that was good news. I said, say what? He said, that was good news. He said, because I can change the man in the mirror. I can do something about that. And I wanted to go and hug him and say, whoa, my problem can be fixed. Amen. Give your pastor an amen. amen. Yeah, it was amen, man. I went, whoa, because everybody's blaming everything else in life. Instead of looking at themselves and saying, I need change. There's a guy by the name of, uh, oh, oh, I shouldn't do this because I always forget the guy's name. I'll give it to you as it goes on. He, he wrote a book uh, as a doctor guy. He writes grace books. Awesome, awesome. <sighs> anyway, I, I'll get it now. Um, he, he wrote a book and he said, um, the, the book was on uh, codependent Christianity was one of the books he wrote. And in the book he said, you know, people... They think there's other problems. They think their, their family is the problem. They think their, their wife is the problem. They think this is the problem. Things that, he said, then they move to another city. <laughs> let's, let's, just, let's, let's make the story really wild. They leave their boss behind. They leave their wife behind. They leave their, their cat, their dog, their everything. The blame was on everybody else. They changed the entire dynamic. They leave everything behind. And three months after they move, the same problems appear. What is the common denominator that was left when they moved? When? Mean? You? So the thing is, you would never have to have... Ooh, I'm sorry, I, I can feel I'm like... I'm going to preach over here now. Alright, you need to fix you. And the way you fix you is not being excellent in what is bad, but excellent in what is good. I had a deliverance ministry for four or five years, and I was spending nine hours a day scratching around with people in their rubbish. Oh, 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 oh. We looked at their dreams that were ugly and their marriages. And they were telling me all the gory details. Guess what happens when you scratch around in the rubbish for nine hours a day? You get contaminated, brother. But you're a new creature in Christ. What are you doing consulting a liar about your past? Who's the liar? Okay, you're a new creature. 
all the old things have passed away. Everything has become brand new. In other words, you died with Christ on the cross. The old you has been buried in baptism and there's a new you that is risen with Christ. What are you doing climbing over His dead body? That's where that thing over my dead body. Oh, you're very quiet. Now you climb over the dead body. You're a born again child of God. You don't need counseling to go back and see what you did when you were 15. That person is dead. Oh, I know what God gave me a message right now. You don't need to go and look for that stuff. You have been over Jesus' body. You've come through the cross. You're a new creature. Your mind needs renewing, but your spirit is perfect. Now you've just gone into the files that Jesus said, I threw those files away, I put them in the depths of the ocean, and nobody may go fishing. Oh, now you go and consult someone about your past. And you're looking in the darkness. Whose files do you think you're in? Oh, you're very quiet right now, but I love you anyway. You don't need that time. Oh, 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 let me help you. Let me help you. So there's a guy in Luke 8. Luke 8.35. There's a guy walking around in the graveyard. He's got no clothes on. And he's cutting himself. And he's screaming. And he's manifesting. Just get into your, get into your creative film Filmatography, you're a director, you're doing a film on Jesus coming to the, the, the regions of the gatherings. And Jesus' boat is about to dock. And Jesus' boat comes through the waves and it goes on the sand. Can you hear the sound? sound? The sound, the boat has just gone. And you see the sandaled foot. You don't see Jesus. You just see the sandaled foot step over the side of the boat. And you see his foot crunch into the sand. That sandaled foot go. Oh. But the, the, the filmographer can do stuff that we can't. He, he lets waves of power loose from the footsteps of Jesus. As Jesus puts his foot on the shores of gatherings, there's this. <laughs> and you see. He's walking in the graveyard. And suddenly he goes. When Jesus' foot touches the shore, this guy, no. And now he starts. Look at him, he's coming. And he's coming to Jesus. The story, just to cut it short, is that he has a legion of demons. A legion of demons. That is anything in those days. It's a terminology, military terminology for anything between two and six thousand. I think Jesus did ask him questions so that we could understand the state of the man. He had two thousand demons. That's why Jesus said, who are you? He said, my name is Legion. <laughs> then Jesus is out. And he goes. Pigs drown. Now the people here. Now they come running from all over. That guy that we're all scared of, he's been set free. They come. They get there. They find him. Listen to what the Bible says, Luke 8, 35. They found him. Is it up there? Ah, ah, ah. Thank you. God bless you. Ah. Woo. And found the man from whom the demons had departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus. 
clothed and read with me in his right mind. Sorry. What? Right mind. It means the mind had been reminded. The mind had been rewinded. He met up with goodness, personified. And when he came to goodness, even before the cross, Jesus was a representation of goodness. His mind was restored. He, Hebrews 12, looking away from sin and cares that so easily distract us unto Jesus. Where? On the cross. The author and finishes. It says, on the cross, He openly triumphed over every principality and power, making a shame of them over It is finished! Shout it! Say it's finished! Oh man, I wish I had the man's voice. Alvin Slaughter. There's a line that's drawn through the ages. On that line stands an old rugged cross. On that cross a battle is waging for the gain of man's souls or its loss. It is finished. The battle is over. It is finished. There'll be no more war. It is finished. The end of the conflict. It is finished. And Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, so be innocent. Be excellent. In what is good, be innocent of evil. Okay? Next verse. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Who does the crushing? God. He says, when I'm in the position of being... Next verse. Where was it? Romans 16, 19. Romans 16, 20. Romans 16, 19 ends with... 19. Go back 19. Let them just see. Okay. But I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. New King James Version. Go look at the other translations. Next verse. And the God of peace will crush Satan underneath your feet shortly, soon. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with <laughs> Did you get something? You get something? So when I'm in that position of putting Him in the right position in my life, there's a favor, there's a grace, there's, a, there's an overcoming that takes place just by me understanding that I'm looking at what I am and not what I'm not. Alright? Is that okay? Is that okay? So James 1.21 says, Receive with humbleness the already engrafted word which is able to save your... Whee! So my problem is not my spirit because my spirit is perfected, but my soul needs reminding. It needs renewing. Because that's what, what, what Romans 12 says. It says, but be transformed like a caterpillar to a butterfly. Am I preaching your pastor's messages? Yeah. Amen. Okay. It's good that I'm preaching. I'm just preaching them in a white version. Okay. Okay. So here I'm going. <laughs> Oh, God, it's so much fun when you're children of God, eh? Amen. So, <laughs> okay. 
Where am I? You guys have got me lost now. <laughs> oh, okay. So James 1.21 says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and, over, uh, and the overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. My problem is not my spirit. My problem is my soul. Romans 12, be renewed in your mind which brings the transformation, okay, in the renewal of your mind. Romans 12. Um, yeah, Romans 12, eh? Yeah, 12 too, I think. So therefore be, do not be conformed but be transformed do not uh, to yeah. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good. Oh man, we 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 do the first part always. We do to the renewing of your mind, comma, and we preach that. That's all we preach. But we need to go on because there's something that that you may prove that you by 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 experience prove that this. This conformed, transformed thing actually works. That when you have renewed your mind, when you have done the transforming of your mind, the transformation from the, the from the worm, the, the to the from the caterpillar to the butterfly, that's what happens when you re- that you may prove what is the good, and acceptable, and perfect will of God. So when you follow after that renewal. Of your mind. You will start to experience the will of God in your life. You will start to have by, by approving that what my mind is now accepted is the truth. Because I start to see all the favor of God by what I'm doing. Start to follow after me. Catch up to me. Overtake me. And I'm going, whoo, this stuff works. <laughs> Must work. It's God's word. All right. Okay, okay, okay. So, Galatians 4.19. Paul is crying out. He says, uh, My little children, for whom I'm once again in the birth pains, I'm in travail, that Christ may be formed in you. Was Paul married? So where did the children come from? they spiritual children. They were birthed and reborn by a message somewhere in Paul's ministry, but now he desires growth. Hello? So James 1 says, it's the, the, the word, they're already uh, engrafted, already um, germinated, because Christ has already been crucified. So it's the, that word has already fallen in the ground. That seed is germinated, it's fallen in the ground and died and it's been resurrected. Receive the... Did you get that? He said, unless the seed falls in the ground and dies, it remains alone. What, what is he? He's the word seed. We don't receive him prior to the cross. He has not yet germinated. He's fallen in the ground. He's paid the three days. And the seed of God has now come up in a resurrected harvest. That word is now at, woo, is now achieving within you what it was sent to do. Ah, you don't plant peaches and get apricots. You don't plant uh, uh, um, uh, lychees and get kiwi. You plant what you, uh, what you plant, you get. So you have been born again. Of the incorruptible seed of God, you must produce according to the kind 
That's why the Christ in me will greet the Christ in you this morning. That's why I look at you and say, I don't look at your outward being. I look at what God had in mind with you when He gave His Word. My Word will not return void, Isaiah 55, but will achieve the goal to which I send it. Just like the rain and snow that comes down from heaven and doesn't go back without achieving the goal. So my Word came in Christ and it was crucified and my word was buried and my word has risen and it's producing a hundredfold i'm preaching a lot better than you shouting right now hallelujah Woo! you have received that word you can receive other word but if you receive that word it's able to save your soul your soul dynamic will start to say i've been looking at this for a long time but there's something more. And then on a day it goes, germinate. And it gets the water of the Spirit. And suddenly you say, wow, that's who I am. <laughs> if you go to 1 Corinthians 2, there's this comparison. 1 Corinthians 2, there's this comparison between the natural man and the spiritual man. Let's, let's do that one. I think... Ooh, I've got, I've got to watch myself. You guys, you're a hungry bunch. Man, I, I don't know, Pastor, how you preach to this church. Th there, is a, there is a drawing power that's taking place right now that is like disturbing. It's like sucking it out of me. I don't know if there's going to be anything left for the Bromfontein crowd when this crowd has got hold of me. It's like, I love, I'm a meat person. Oh, positive, I'm a meat person. But my wife doesn't, eat meat she's a she's a vegetarian person and the thing is that meat people love when their wife cooks for them uh that that bone that's got the marrow in it you, you know that 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 then i go and excuse myself from the table especially if there's visitors but when i leave i take that bone with me Sometimes it's that bad. I mean, I've had a three-course meal. I've really enjoyed myself, but I want that stuff that's inside there. I will go and fetch the hacksaw out of the garage to cut that bone open so that I can stand in the kitchen by myself and go... Mmm, <laughs> taste and see that the Lord is good. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, that's just about you guys. <laughs> Woo, Jesus. <laughs> this is awesome. I'm having fun, man. <laughs> You've got to know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm getting drunk here. Oh. Ah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> No, stop. I've got to finish. <laughs> oh, God is good. Verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. So I have not received the worldly spirit. But the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. 
Jump backwards with me to verse 9, now that you've read that. But as it is written, eye has not seen, ears not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God prepared for them that love Him. How many people love Jesus in this room this morning? Amen? Can I see? You love Jesus? Right? That's all of you? Right? Turns around and it says here, it says that there is a revelation of eye has not seen, ear has not heard, not yet come up in the heart of man what is entered uh, into the heart of man. So even what you've seen, heard, or heard about, even imagination cannot compare to the things that's prepared for them that love God. That's you. But God has revealed them to us by His Spirit. Say, there's a spiritual revelation that I need to get that the Holy Spirit alone can show of what God has given to me. Alright? For the Spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God. Now I ask you a question this morning, and I know I don't really want to boggle your mind this morning. But can I ask you, how deep is God? Yet he says to you who are spiritual, it's not hidden from you. You may know even the depths. Alright? Are you, are you with me? Now he goes, let's go back to that. He says, he says, for what man knows the things of man, save the spirit of man. Okay? For the spirit searches all things here that feels the, even the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. So the Holy Spirit is there with this whole transformation thing to give us insight, alright? Which things we also speak, not in the words of men's wisdom. Say, there's a comparison here. Say, there's a comparison. There's a comparison. Between man's wisdom and God's wisdom. Carnal knowledge, spiritual knowledge. Okay? But we have received the things which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things to spiritual. The problem in the church is that people want to do comparisons between natural and spiritual. Even by looking at a man in the movement of what he's doing at a moment that he's doing it, I want to refer to my natural mind to make judgment about what that man is doing. He said, but you cannot judge spiritual things by natural. Natural is for natural, spiritual is for spiritual. Are you, are you still with me? Okay. For the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit, for they are foolishness unto him, neither may he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Ribo sandele shekravandi Hirnubakasha Zerna Vordikasa Shubra vandele maskuti, herna verna mubra vai. Explain that to me naturally. You cannot explain the speaking in tongues from a natural circumstance. You can stand there and say, I don't know what that man just did. And especially in the church I came from, after that there would be interpretation of tongues. I said to my wife the first day I was in there, those guys are phony. She said, why? I was unsaved. I said, the one guy said to the other guy before church, I'm going to make some funny now noises. And when I'm finished, you tell her, 
This morning, when you rose and the sun rose, God said, this is your day. I said, those guys got together. I'm not going back to your church. When they prayed for me, they prayed for three years that I would speak in tongues. And because I didn't understand it, God had to take me back to the day of Pentecost. And when the Spirit was poured out and the people ran together and they said, What are these things? And everybody wondered. Here's your explanation. You cannot discern the things. You cannot discern prophecy. You cannot discern um, tongues. You cannot discern joy. You cannot discern drunkenness out of the natural. It will always look foolish to you. But the spiritual man discerns all things. <laughs> it says, but the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet himself is judged by no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So I take you to Romans this morning. Your pastor's preaching. He says, to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace in Christ. You have a choice this morning. You can be carnally minded. And you can have the mind of Christ. Because Romans goes on to say, we can walk by the one or we can walk by the other. I have both minds. I have the mind of Christ, but I can choose not to use it. By default, I can operate. Oh, oh come on, somebody got to get this. I have the mind of Christ, but I can choose to operate in the natural. But there is a disciplining and an awareness that I get up in the morning and I say, I'm going to operate in tongues for a while. I'm going to try and just get this thing to be mind, to mind the thing, to be spiritually minded. It's just li literally this, to mind the things of the spirit. So I get up and I'm thinking, wow, it's cold today. And they said there's going to be a cyclone. And I can say, yo, my boss is hard on me. And I'm in the natural and the traffic is terrible. And I can be minding the things of the natural. And I can stop it for a moment and I say, wait a minute. Man, when Dave was preaching on Sunday, I saw myself preaching with him. And, and, and I actually, I, I, you know, I dreamt last night. I was walking up to the sister and I was putting my hand on her. And there was a manifestation of God's goodness in her life. And she started to jump for joy. And I saw a man in a wheelchair and I pulled him out. And you can, have you ever, have you ever used your imagination for things? Have you ever imagined yourself, oh, I'd love to water ski like that guy. Yeah, we. Have you ever imagined what it would be? Jump out of, wow, jump out of the airplane. And then, and then, have you ever used, we use our imagination to make movies in Hollywood. We use our imagination to imagine things that we shouldn't even be using our imagination for. What do you think God gave you? Ha! An imagination for! It's to imagine the things in the Spirit! Whoa! I wonder what it was like when Philip went down to that lonely road led by the Spirit and the Spirit said, you've got to go and wait at that lonely road and there's no traffic there. It's dry. It's like drought in 
Paputa Tswana or in Botswana or it's like dry and it's like a lonely desert place. It's Namibia and you like no cars are coming. God, you send me to this place. Katu. They know what I'm talking about. You send me here, God. Why then did you send me here? I'm closing. I'm closing. I'm closing. I'm going to minister to some people right now. I'm closing. Have a young man who has been wanting to be a missionary his whole life. He's done an English course on, online so that he can be a TFL instructor. But he wanted to go to Thailand and South Korea and places. Hey, guess what? They sent him to China. They said, we have an opening you can choose, but you can go to China. I said to his mom, tell him to phone me. He's got a missionary art that's bursting. This, friends, no matter where it's built, is not the church. This is the building where the church gathers. You are the church. I said, tell him to stop looking for a church in Singapore or a place in China that he can go to. Tell him he doesn't need to find a church. Now he needs to be the church. Because in China, if you go and sit in a university city and you open a book and you're sitting reading and you're from a western part of the world, they will come to you and say, Hello, who are you? May I speak English to you, please? I need to practice my English vocabulary. And you say, fine. And then he joined by two others. And the third one starts translating for the five others that are standing behind him. And then another translator joins because the crowd grows from nothing to 200 in a few seconds. And by the time this guy was finished, because they, they say, so what do you eat where you're from? Oh, we eat a sausage called Buravors. And we eat a pup called what? Sadza. I need the recipe, by the way. <laughs> and, and, and we like talking and say, Oh, so what do you drive? No, we drive Mazda Bucky's 4x4. Oh, and, 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 and what do you do? Oh, no, we go down to the ocean. And, what do you, and, then, and so what do you believe? Oh, no, we believe in the God that made heaven and earth. And before you know it, they cannot arrest you because you're in a discussion group about where you come from. And you're having an open discussion group with 200 translators and 500 people. And they talk in church. And in that night, he was invited to go. This man that told me this story, to go to the underground church and preach Jesus Christ. Just a layman. Imagine yourself at that lonely road. You're being spiritually minded. You're minding the things. What would it be like to talk to God face to face? What would it be like to be at that lonely road and suddenly there's a chariot on that lonely road coming back from Jerusalem with an Ethiopian man on it and the Spirit says, go and run next to that wagon. And you're running and the guy's reading out of Isaiah and you say to him, do you know what you're reading, sir? And he says, how can I know unless somebody explains it to me? And then you say, can I get up and tell you? And you get up on that chariot next to him and you start explaining the Word of God to him and it's out of Isaiah there's nothing in that chapter of about a lamb before its shearers that are quiet. It doesn't say anything about baptism. But the man is suddenly touched by this. But he says, there's water. What prevents me from being baptized? He said, if you believe. By the way, right now. Right now, as I said that, there's at least five people that have not yet been baptized. You need to get baptized. See your pastor. 
And then it was, I think Philip was of the connotation you baptize once. Mind over it. And he did, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, by the confession of your face, I put you under the water. But that, that Ethiopian was baptized twice. Because when he came up, he went down again. Because the guy that was baptizing disappeared. And was found 20 kilometers away in another city preaching the gospel. Sandals, coat, scuffed in the lot. He was busy preaching in another place. Oh, what would it be like to fly from one place to another without the hindrance of time or aircraft? So I start being spiritually minded. I start dreaming about the things that are above and not beneath. I have the spirit that hovered on the waters at the day of creation. What limits me? Nothing. Nothing. I have the mind of Christ. It's like having a car with a V8 motor and it's got the full house, man. And you've got the keys and the capacity of the car. It's not being built. It has been built. 